You're listening to The Cynic Weekly. If you enjoy our weekly podcast, you might be interested in finding out how to access even more Cynic content. By signing up for a full Cynic subscription at thecynic.co, you'll have access to Celtic-related podcasts throughout the week. For a monthly fee, you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favourite football club. We cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club, analysis of games, player profiles, coverage of the women's team, quizzes and much more. We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic. Welcome to the Cynic Weekly. It's Thursday, the 2nd of March 2023. I'm your host, Chris Gallagher, and we're going to talk about the uh, the destruction, the domination of Glasgow Rangers uh, by Glasgow Celtic. Uh, we get plenty to talk about. We are uh, dominating. So I managed to do a thing with his eyebrows. <laughs> Hi Chris, how are you? What's happening? Sir? Oh, I'm oh. smashing. <laughs> Chris asked me for a wee bit of pep, a bit of zip zap in the opening, because uh, normally I don't have that. Ho oh, oh, you're getting it right now. Eh? Zip zap, we got a bit of zip zap. I don't know what that is, but it sounded sounded positive. Uh, you didn't ask, but I'm good to die, so uh, I know I'm doing all right, mate. Thanks well, very much. Lovely stuff from Samani, looking great as always. Uh, Alan Edgar's here, looking terrific as he usually does. How are you, Alan? Oh, hello. <laughs> I, I am jolly. Both well, lads. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, I'm nice and feel nice and bright. Well, made it through the weekend. We're almost to the weekend, so all is well. That's good coming here. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Jesus, Christ. because it's a Thursday evening and it's you know Friday. See when it gets to Friday, you're that actually too close to Monday for my liking. This is the peak of the week. Yeah. You come here, but zip zap. Talk to you. <laughs> oh, I like my week. <laughs> We're all, <laughs> we're all patching work tomorrow. <laughs> Thursday is the new Friday. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, we're going to talk. We get plenty of questions from um, from uh, listeners and subscribers. Thank you very much to everyone who sent in a question. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, normally when we get to this point, we'd be like, oh, let's kind of look, look to- towards the weekend, which we will do, certainly. But let's kind of still kind of uh, bask in the glory of what was a tremendous um, experience on Sunday. Um, yeah, we've got a little bit of news, whether we'll get to that or not, I don't know, but... Um, news about what? Uh, I don't know, we'll get to it, maybe, maybe <laughs> not, and if not, we can chat about it later. All right, uh, Rangers at a press conference today, so naturally Celtic will discuss tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, aye, aye, I see, uh, oh, I see the news. Aye, aye. You just aye. see it. We've all got rundowns. Um, okay. Chris or Manny, um, it's been a, a, a joyous week of um, basking in the glory, as I said. How are you feeling? Well, we've got an opening question, but before we even get to the, the opening question, how are you feeling about Celtic right now? <sighs> Same as everybody. Just massively, massively positive. Um, I mean, sure, well, I know you've talked, you've talked about 
the game on Sunday on a number of podcasts, but obviously we're going to touch on it tonight. It's easy to forget that we went into that nervous because, rightly so, it's a final, it's against our biggest rivals. The flip side of not winning that is really, really, you know, the feeling is something that you don't really want to think about. Um, but then to come through that, you've just had a skip in your step all week, just, you know, basking in the glory of the performance. And the best thing about it is it, it wasn't really... In doubt, it wasn't like the last time we won the League Cup against them where you enjoyed it very, very much, but you maybe forgot to do a wee bit of a post-mortem in terms of the performance. <laughs> you can do that now and you can see exactly where we played, you know, where we were really good and the fact that we we overall just dominated the game largely, apart from maybe a, a small spell where I don't think they created much, but they certainly got a wee bit of impetus. Out with that 10, 15, 20 minute spell, we dominated the entire game and we can safely say we are the greatest team in Scotland. Absolutely. Um, Alan, uh, we did, as as Chris says, we, we've talked about this um, this final, uh, we talked about it on the agenda, myself, you and Barry Gallagher, which was a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, Christian and Graham broke it down from a tactical point of view, which was on Tuesday. Um, uh, we had the Celtic Women's Football Show on Wednesday, which talked about the fantastic um, Derby Destruction of Rangers on the Friday. Alan, how are you feeling about everything just now? A couple of days after. Yeah, pretty good. Um, and I've enjoyed, you just enjoy the, the content. I think yeah. the whole week, um, and it's been. I would describe this as a a slow release pain week for Rangers because I don't think I don't think Sunday Monday I don't think they were hurting enough. Tuesday <laughs> starting to be a bit more. Wednesday night was that was just yes, perfect, yes, and that's yes, really yes. where it started to. And <laughs> I think they their post mortem, yeah, I think. I think it has hurt them and it, I mean that then just gives us a lot of joy but from our point of view it's really positive um, Do you think we talk like I know this is going to say so <clears throat> Lundstrom today in his uh, press conference um, said uh, something along the lines of, and by the way the only reason I know this is because it was shoved in my face on Twitter a couple of times because the Twitter algorithm is just fucked now but essentially Topical <laughs> What it said was um, what he said was uh, Celtic turned up at rate we didn't turn up mm-hmm. And essentially what he's saying is, um, it's, a, it's a dig essentially saying that this is the best we can play, I guess. And, and then he said that they're, they're only a couple of points behind. I don't know what I don't know what a couple means in, in Liverpool, but up here it means two and then actually fucking nine. So, you know, maybe get back to math class. Did you say math? I said maths class. Good. Mm, I thought he left it there. No, no, I said maths class. The listeners will be the judge. And no one... Fucking don't, <laughs> but no, I just, I just what I think is quite funny is like, um, so instead of them having this sort of open uh, post mortem where they go, actually, do you know what, we weren't good enough and we need to get better, they're like, actually, everything's not as bad as you think, by the way, it's not as bad. And like, we should flame that, Chris, let them think that because crikey, I don't think we played particularly to or I thought we played well on Sunday, but not to the top of our game. See, for me, right, in it, in it, I think. Over the last few seasons, lessons need to be learned in terms of acknowledging when you either get away with one or acknowledging when the opposition are becoming better. We didn't do that broadly as a support at all. It was always their garbage. That's our fault. Even at the tail end of Rogers' reign, when they started to kind of sneak some results against us and it started to get a foothold and you could see the way that they were set up, we never acknowledged it. And that always kind of stuck in my mind that you shouldn't do that yeah. as much as you can uh, rejoice in the victories and the wins. The 2019 Cup final is a perfect example. 
you were just so giddy about stealing that, if we're perfectly honest, in the performance of Fraser Forster, that we forgot, as I said, the post-mortem to look at it, and then not long after that, they came to Celtic Park and, and they beat us. Um, they're doing that now, because similar to us, I don't think the gap's as big as some people say. I really don't think it's huge. I think Rangers have got a squad right now. If you took both of the squads as it is, they're capable of setting up to beat us in certain days. Maybe at Ibrox. It probably involves our performance dipping, which we know it can. It did at Ibrox the last time. So right now, I I, I think we're the better team. I think if all things being equal performance-wise, we will always beat them, but football doesn't work like that. So, so that's I think that's where it is just now. When we go into these games, I don't think that we can assume that we're going to win them because certain things might change it. What they're doing and what Lundstrom's article today says and what some other article says is they can't even accept that. I think they need to kid themselves on that they are a few tweaks away from challenging being our equal or they're a superstar player who's on the bench. We've had it before. It was Hadji before. It's Raskin now. You know, you can even talk Ryan about Ryan Jack previously. Ryan Jack previously. There's always something, someday or something or secret ingredient that wasn't on the pitch that's going to make it all better the next time. And that's them kidding themselves on. And that is what I'm delighted to see because I think that we were really guilty of that over the last Do few years. Do you think we've years. learned from that? <laughs> Maybe not, <laughs> but I, I think it's important to acknowledge it. And I genuinely think football fans could ever learn from that. Genuinely, like probably not. I, I was just, I, I was enjoying his rant there before you interrupted and started bringing it back to us. I mean, I was literally busting. All it right, my, sorry, keep going. Then I was about to bust out my briefs there. That was uh, delicious. Go on, I'll continue. <laughs> as long as they continue to kid themselves on that they are on the cusp of matching us, then. I don't think they're going to take the strides forward that they need to. What we also need to remember is as well is even under, you know, let's let's be honest, Bill and Gerard, the way that they were set up and what they do is the same because Bill was there at that time. Their game has always been to set up to stop us playing football and then to capitalise on that. And that's something even now is becoming harder. They, their game plan isn't to come and blow us away like we did with them. You know, there's only a couple of games towards the end of Lennon's era where I think that they really just imposed themselves on us once or twice. And I think, um, but largely speaking, any other victories they've had is when they've totally been set up to stop us, play and to stifle us. They're still trying to do that. That's really difficult with the style of play that we've got and the players that we've got in this team. They're at probably at a bit of a crossroads just now. As I said, you know... We've got them at Celtic Park. We've got another game against them at Ibrox. Who knows what happens in the Scottish Cup? Potentially another three games against them this season, right? It's not out with the realms of possibility that they can win one of them, two of them, or whatever. You know, it's possible. But largely speaking, all things equal, being equal, we are better than them. And they're at a crossroads to decide whether they continue doing what they're doing, which is not to try and change their style of play to kind of match up to what we're doing is if they continue to try and stop us playing football and capitalise off that um, going forward and I don't know what they'll do um, Can you imagine if Rangers so, employed Sir Manny they'd be fucking winning the league unbelievable Nah nah nah, nah. <laughs> I mean they wouldn't but nah, great nah. points genuinely really good it's, it's Alan I'll bring you in Yeah I, I think it's quite an interesting point and in the kind of time stamps that's used there as well between the 2019 League Cup final now the difference in emotion from us, I think, is kind of points to that. 
I mean, anybody that watched the 2019 League Cup final, whether you were there or not, the only emotion you really had was utter relief. Relief. Yeah. Um, and it was a wee bit of, you've kind of, it felt like we'd stolen the trophy. And that's a very different emotion to, I think, what I felt on Sunday, which was relief, but it was it was largely joy. And it felt, I don't think we were spectacular by any means at the weekend. I thought we were good. I thought we were good to a point, but we were in control of the game. Mm. And when you win a game like that, you are just, a, and it's always a wee bit hairy towards the end. And, you know, Rangers had, you know, a half chance or a quarter chance, whatever you like, but it wasn't anything like the 2019 game, actually. It felt like we were fitter, stronger. We played, we, the system was good and the players, I don't think anybody was maybe exceptional going forward. And that to me is an exciting prospect. I quite like that, you know, in a similar vein to what some man is saying, you know, radio phone-ins, articles, ex-Rangers pros, we might even get to some of them. They are all talking on March the 1st or February the 28th, 27th, whatever days. They're, they're all talking about a rebuild. They had missed a mindset in earlier in the week. They've fired a player away. <laughs> back, to, back to America. James Sands away this week. And they're talking about what they're going to do in the summer. And it's that kind of, you know, 30-second brain thing. Rangers always. Mm-hmm. They don't step back and think actually this could be a bit of a job and we need to think about the players we need rid of to bring in it's just Bill is going to do XYZ in the summer and if they keep just falling down that road I don't see a see, see, you know, I, I don't see a moment for them they keep thinking because Postacoglu did it and he did a big rebuild but he had money behind him and he had money behind him because we had assets to sell even when we were at really well lowest ebb yeah. so for me it's quite encouraging it's really positive and this doesn't feel like the crowning moment of answer me. This feels like we are still way more to go up. And I think that's the overriding feeling. For, well, certainly for me this week is just excitement that this League Cup is it's one trophy. It's 90 minutes. Rangers could have won it. We could have won it. But we did win it. And there'll be much more opportunities to, to do that for us this, hopefully this season and you know, the next couple on the range. I, w- I want to focus on the game in a moment, but I just wanted, you, you made a really good point there about how Rangers react and stuff. And obviously they, they went out of business in 2012 because of, they didn't think long term. They just consistently were like, we just need to be ahead and they'll do whatever they could do to be ahead, right? And, you know, you look back at, like, when Murray came in and he brought Graeme Souness and all that and, you know, the dodgy fucking overdrafts and all the dodgy money and all that. Like, there was no one really to challenge them because we were bereft. Well, you know, we, we've done podcasts on the history of the... Um, the About the 90s. The 90s, and I'm sure we'll do plenty more. But, like, they, they've always done that. And, like, they've always kind of been like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? As opposed to just take a breath and go, like, what can we do from a long-term plan point of view now I know that we have listen I'm not going to give our board any credit because I never do but we seem to have stumbled upon something mm-hmm. and and maybe that's all it is and maybe a lot of it is luck but see if it is luck hitting twice in the same city within the same space of the two years three years four years seems pretty unlikely they seem totally skint and they seem genuinely like they don't have a lot of money. My point, I'm just like, I'm just at this point, I'm just, I had a point and I'm just like, fuck them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's very enjoyable. It is very enjoyable. <laughs> and it does feel very positive, both from our point of view of what we are doing in house. And also, you don't necessarily see a kind of clear approach or tactic from across the way. And they are relying on a lot of different things. But then you need to listen to a Rangers podcast, I'm sure. To, find out what they're doing right. I mean, see, the thing is, like, um, if you look at, like, you know, 
again, we'll get to the we'll get to the game itself in a minute. But like, um, I think it was Andy Halliday was on like Go Radio or whatever, and he's talking about Rangers need ten players in. And like Barry Ferguson's talking about, oh, you kind of keep losing because I'm embarrassed by it and all this like stuff. It's like there's no, there's no, lo- there's no <laughs> logic. Crushing boxes of cereal again. <laughs> What's the crushing boxes of cereal thing? Do you not remember the story about him? And he was in the supermarket and he like just said he felt like an absolute fit of rage as he was walking up and down aisles. No, <laughs> it was in. Tell I, me, go on, go on. I think I, I don't remember the article like Do word you, for word, but it was just he was in a super. It was not how he gets call him and the record or the sun or whatever and he was just talking about how he was in the supermarket and it was after I think it was after Rangers had lost one of the games it would have been in probably Brendan Rogers era and he was just saying about how angry he was and how he felt like he had to really calm himself down that's what I made a joke about him the other week and to be fair you did kind of look at me glazed over as if I just it's one of the ones I remember we'll, we'll get information uh, keep asking Alan while I google Barry Ferguson crushing cereal boxes <laughs> What Alan, can I ask you a question yes. in regards to the game, the actual game on Sunday, right? Uh-huh. We, 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 talk, we did the reaction, um, which was very drunk, and I listened back, and... Uh, I'll not be listening back. <laughs> Chris, Chris Bowd was outrageous. Uh-huh. Um, great work, and you were fantastic, and we had uh-huh. such a great time. Um, so if, you're, if you sign up to the Cynic.co podcast every single day, we had the reaction, we had the agenda, we had a tactical breakdown. Cynic.co has got all the stuff you want. Um, but you said there that Celtic were, oh, like, good... Yes, yes, I've got it. I'm actually just enjoying this article. <laughs> just, and sitting there everyone, just, just take a moment to yourself and uh, read the article. Uh, Celtic, you, you said to yourself, Celtic were were good, and I, I thought we were good. But it's, I don't want to say we didn't go a second gear, but it, it felt to me like we maybe weren't at our best. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just due to the fact that we didn't have to be? No, I don't. I don't think it is. I think, I think there was a confidence about the way they played. Certainly first hour, there was a confidence about it that chances would come. We weren't forcing it. Um, I don't think either of the wingers going forward had the the moments that they normally do in these games where they have that quality when they get into a you know, good position. I think they both found themselves in you know decent positions. But even in spite of that, you kind of felt that chance would come. And... I think most people, certainly in the stadium, and I haven't watched it back, before the first goal, Celtic upped the pace aye, quite considerably. Aye, um, and it was the same in the second half as well. It was as if we just upped the pace and we knew that we had the ability to do that. And I think when you go a goal up, then, you know, obviously half time is fairly quickly after that. When you go the second goal up, you feel as if you're just going to continue to play that way and that you'll see the game out. And now we at times were our own worst enemy because we gave the ball away, we lapses of concentration for whatever reason. But there wasn't a real threat from Rangers. The goal comes out of nothing. I know there's a question about that, we'll get to that. Beyond that, I know they had the Sakala chance, but I mean, you watch it back. and as much as, much as, as much as I would like to criticise Sakala... I don't. I, I would put it down as a half chance. It's not the guilt-edged yeah. opportunity. It's. I've seen it compared to Paddy Roberts in the oh, Scottish no, Cup. So, I mean, it's nowhere no, near. It's, it's a much. It comes to a much quicker. It's a very tight angle. Yeah, I just. I just don't think. I think they Hart, had clear opportunities. I think Hart could have saved it. Um, I thought he had a good game at the weekend as well. I yeah, so, yeah. I, 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 I think 
the idea that it was it was wide open, um, I, I think it could have been covered if he'd got it on target, but clearly... Yeah, hey, I think so as well, yeah. Aye. Um, Chris, we'll, we'll never know because he couldn't manage it on target. Joy, tell us about the, the article. You don't have to go into too much detail, but... Oh, I'm going to. <laughs> um, so I can't believe you've been aware of this. I could read it out. Well, t- aye, why would we? Come on now. I just remember we... Golden Graham Nuggets of information. <laughs> so, a paraphrase, he, he was in Morrison's looking for a boxer, Shreddy, Shreddy's Max. <laughs> Never heard of it. Three teenage boys. Since discontinued. <laughs> three teenage boys are laughing at him. Shout something that can't be repeated in a family newspaper. Then he responds by saying that he'll wrap the trolley around their head and knock them into the Frosties over there. And I've removed the swear words. He, he said this in... Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you want to read it? <laughs> it was this <laughs> low news week for the column, so... Fucking grim. It was five years ago. <laughs> when he had only Six. been retired about ten, year, ten years since. Aye. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's bring in... We're, we're going to talk a bit more about the game, of course. Um, uh, let's bring in Ian. Ian asks a good question, uh, a good friend Ian. He says... How does Sunday rank compared to other times we've beat the other mob the other mob since they've been back from the dead? Uh, for me, this is one of the better ones, as it appears to have completely crushed them. Like, so Ian raises a good point. So we've we've um, we've crushed them under O'Neill. We've crushed them under Strachan. We've crushed them under um, Brendan Rogers, of course. And you know, they all kind of. Ex- their kind of frailties and their fears and all that and social media is brilliant for just kind of scooping that all up this time seems like i don't know like more concentrated it seems it seems like the 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 rangers as a support are just broken like it seems like they've kind of fractured somehow so to answer ian's questions for me personally this is this genuinely is one of the best times and it's only you know we're only in march at this point chris what's your thoughts I think, and we're thinking back to the days, the Rogers days, where we were beating them four 0 five 0 at Ibrox and stuff like that. That had a special joy to it as well, but I still get more of a a kick out of games where, okay, where you're going in and you're not sure, you're not basically. I mean, back in those days, we're going to win on Saturday, are you? Yes, because you just knew you were. Mm-hmm. When there's a wee bit more to it. You enjoy it more, especially when the stakes are high. And I'm sure we'll talk about the confidence that was coming from the Rangers squad before it and that up to your desire to then beat them. When you get the victory and in the manner that we got the victory after that, it does feel more special. Is it up there? Well, yes, it is. I mean, it's difficult to rank them because, yeah, because of the way that you do it. But a victory of that nature where you're going into it and you're a wee, you're, you've got... You're always nervous, but those nerves are tangible there because in the back of your mind, you've got what your head's going to be like for the next week after it. Very, very sweet. So these are the ones for me that... uh, Victories like that, I think I've got more to them. And I think the fall... Because, I mean, see when we were tanning them by that many goals as well. (laughs) Tanning them. It was... (laughs) I love it. There was the, there was a deflation where it was almost just like Except, you see, we, we we you know everything needs fixed. Whereas just now they're struggling with themselves to say, well, what what is it we need to do? See, I always think, see, under Rogers and um, I know you're a big uh, Brady Rogers guy, Alan. So we're, we're I like the many. trophies, I big yeah. fan. Um, Calls him B Rog. Yeah, if you were at any of the Cynic live shows, uh, and there's 
more on the way, you'll know that. Um, is there? Aye. There is it. <laughs> uh, Alan, uh, bloody, bloody loves Brendan Rodgers. Um, but no, no. See, under Rodgers though, it kind of a lot of the time, a lot of the time, it kind of felt like shooting fish in a barrel because they were so mm. kind of. They were so disorganised. They had like Marty and they had Kashinya and they had like Warburton and it was all kind of all over the place. It did feel like we were turning up. I mean, we've Alan, we've talked about it on the Senate Chronicles, which is available on the Senate.co. It's one of the series we do, Sirai. Um and and we, we talked about how essentially it's one of the only times in our kind of Celtic sporting lifetime that we felt confident going up to Celtic Park or to mm-hmm. Ibrox because we felt we were going to win. This is different because a lot of people really had Rangers at the start of the season. They they got to the Cup last season and a Europa League Cup final, and people were like really bigging them up. Like that, that we are where we are now. This to me felt this is one of the sweetest, just because it's like I think they thought this they, they were on par, like they were on par with us, and I think they thought when Beal came in for some bizarre reason that he was going to change it up. And all he's done is he's just reverted back to what they were before under, under uh, Gerard. It's, it's just so sweet. For me personally, Alan, your thoughts on how sweet it is? Well, uh, <laughs> dead sweet. Very, but it's on the the scale of, you know, one to ten. It's, it is hard to... It's a final which gives it real gravitas right away. This isn't a semi-final. It's not a league game in which, you know, you're fighting back. Like last year, when we won at Ibrooks, um when Carter Vickers scored and Rogic scored, that, that game felt incredible. Um this one feels a bit different and I don't I don't know why because yeah, I know. um before it I was extremely nervous. I thought, you know, it was I thought maybe sixty forty in our favour, if I'm being entirely honest with myself. Not eighty twenty, nothing like that. Um just because it's a final and I, I always think we sometimes don't carry great luck. But I, I it is, see if it was a Scottish Cup and this was, you know, the crowning moment in a treble, then it would probably be the best. But it's a League Cup and it's still early. The league's ever in a dominant position. I think I'm maybe just holding back. I hope that we look at this game in four or five years on the Senate Chronicles or whatever and people will do the same and you look back at it and say that wasn't even the best win this season because... There's a good likelihood if we overcome Hearts that we'll get them either in the semi or the Scottish Cup final. And you've got two games at home to hopefully, I mean, you win that game in 8th April, you'd put the league entirely out of sight. Um, and then you've got a dead rubber at Ibrox. Um, so I think there's still big moments to come this year. And it's just what state they're in. They will be very keen. And I think the fan base, like we've said, is very keen to land a significant blow on Ange under Beal and it's just not came yet and that's I think they'll they'll be a wee bit worried because they had the chance at home they were in a good position at home you know coming back maybe pushing for it a wee bit get the lead don't do it and in this game look the the most ardent Rangers fan will tell themselves that for 20 minutes they played us off the park but you go 2-0 down a final you don't expect to win so I think that's what they'll be concerned about, that they've had two chances, a neutral and a home venue, to land a punch on Ange, and they've not been able to, to do it, and I think that will start to eat away at them, so I would just be hopeful that we don't give them that, and actually turn it the other way, and give Ange some new opposition going into next year would be my deal, so I hope that when we look at this game, it'll be up there, because it's a final, it'll stand the test of time, but I hope there's a more significant one to come this year. Um 
Chris, best one's the next one, basically. Yeah. The, 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 the managerial response. See, obviously, when, you know, we've covered it a little bit in the Cynic, but we've not went into too much detail because we've not, we've played them twice, but, you know, the, the kind of uh, media coverage of Michael Beale, they've genuinely tried to put him on a pedestal with some of the best managers that you've ever seen in Scottish football and all this, you know, like, it's, it's embarrassingly bad, but see if Martin O'Neill... Now, Martin and I, when we, you know, we did a, a really detailed podcast, uh, myself, uh, Alan and, and Barry uh, on the Cynic Chronicles 6 to, um, which is available on the Cynic.co. Um, but we did a kind of detailed look at that in, in the 6 to game and we talked about how important it was. Uh, two months later, Celtic go to Ibrox and lose 5-1. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we, we, we'd never forget that. I think that was a kind of a, a sobering moment. But see if after the 5-1 game, Martin O'Neill and the media had linked and leaked that Martin O'Neill would go a sort of self-help manager in to deal with. <laughs> no, but like, I, I, for me, when I saw that on Monday morning, I thought, oh, they're in a worse situation. What do you call it? What's exactly called? Like uh, the guy who came in to do the sort oh, of... I call him Mr. Mindset. I don't know his actual <laughs> name. <laughs> when, like, so if Ange Motivational call, speaker, potentially. What, yeah, yeah, like, I don't know what his speciality is. But see, see if any Celtic manager... Scottish got, Cups. <laughs> <laughs> but see, see, I'm great when the team are nine points behind. You know, I'm, I'm really good for that. I don't know what situation you guys are in. but well, How would you have reacted? Well, how would I have reacted? Because I saw, I thought, oh fuck, they're in a worse state than I thought. Genuinely, how would I have reacted if, if that was for us with sheer embarrassment? And I tell you how the media would have reacted uh, with I, mocking 100%. glee. Yes, 100%. it's it's. I mean, there is. You've got sports science, and you've got stuff in the background where people talk about mindset and confidence, right? And there's there is a profession there, you know, that helps players with their mindset and, and all that sort of stuff. That's done normally on an individual basis and it's done behind the course, scenes. Yeah. That's not done with... We've just been beat off our big rivals. Here's a guy who um, is from America and is a motivational speaker and has a couple of things on his rap sheet I'm allegedly led to believe. Um, Classic. Is that right, yeah? I think so. You may want to pause that. Uh, to I think a DUI, I believe, which is American for um, driving under the influence. So there we go. So... Um, <laughs> I'll say allegedly because I, I didn't actually read it. Somebody just <laughs> He's told me. very litigious. Yes, yeah, very <laughs> litigious. So, I mean, it is strange, and that's you being kind to it, you yeah. know. And it, it does signify that there's that, that, that there's probably deeper problems there. Um, How quickly can you get it as well? He was there on the Monday. Did you have that set up before? So, <laughs> do you get him on the Monday, or th- have you phoned him on the Friday? It was available. <laughs> I think it is quite. A lot of clubs use guys like that and they use them more often probably than you see I think you would probably be putting somewhat of a confidentiality kind of clause into that agreement obviously you have been paid for it presumably um, maybe not surely you <laughs> wouldn't be not. slapping it on your Instagram and saying look where I was on Monday Tuesday whatever day it was or if it was Monday that's good players didn't get a playoff players didn't get the day off after the game after getting a dressing down in the park so Michael Beale really is hitting the old uh, manager cliches um, of what to do when you lose a final um, I just found that bizarre that because there's nothing look, the, fundamentally I don't think there's anything wrong with using guys like that the day after a game a cup final and having it you know slapped about everywhere I also think he's done a couple other engagements with I think he was involved with the Dundee one of the Dundee clubs as well the, this I just just a bit bizarre all in but as you say obviously booked in advance so um, what was it fail to prepare prepare to fail 
Beautiful. Uh, we got a question. He's uh, just, uh, I just wanted to say that the, this guy's name's Alistair McCaw. Car. <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't know the joke really. <laughs> there, is, there is no joke. Alistair McCall. Can you stop parroting on and let's go on with it? Yeah, very um, good. Very good. Nah, nah, I don't think it was. Uh, Stuart Knight uh, messages. How long do you spent with Tavernier? Sorry, just out of curiosity. He's still with him. Wait, how, how many years have they had Tavernier there? A man who is a serial loser, and only now have they thought, let's get something in here. <laughs> like, he's, he's getting there. He's nearly thirty odds now. Uh, Alistair, uh, yeah, uh, he's, he's he's not ideal. Um, Stuart Knight <laughs> messages to say hi, team. Hello. E- emails to say. So, hi, Stuart. So, Manny. Hello, Stuart. <laughs> you literally did do that like a parrot there as well. Hi, team. Uh, what is everyone's drink of choice when Celtic overtake Rangers Trophy Hall in the next couple of seasons and destroys their precious, most successful team so good? So, it's a, it's a great question, Stuart. Um, we'll get to the drinks in a second. Um, but j- I just, j- j- sorry, I just have to interrupt. I have... <laughs> Remember the treble DVD that Tony Roper, um, oh, Martin Lennon was first talk about video. It, video. Video. it was no, no. I think I had it on DVD. Oh, can I hide money? Uh, can I hide money? And he said he didn't have it on DVD in two thousand. He had a drink. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> don't you worry about that. He had a a drink and a cigar at the end of it, and I said, he said, make mine a treble. Yeah, and uh, it was great. I was. <laughs> I just a uh, reminder that that is genuinely one of the greats. Just everything about it was just a great. Video slash he finishes video. the set. He finishes the six two game, and he goes, "What a day! What an experience! Unbelievable!" <laughs> does he? <laughs> he does. That. It's one of the greatest things. Tony Roper was a hero. Um, yeah, I. So the, this brings it, this brings us into a little bit about, and again, we're kind of just we're just um, uh, enjoying the the absolute uh, breakdown from this of um, their exis, existential fear. Of this weird made up thing where they think they're the most successful club. No, it's weird, oh, right? Because yeah. the internet is around. You can look at records from clubs all over the world. And I'm not even, it doesn't even matter who the biggest, most successful is. Is it Al Ali or, you know, like uh, the Egyptian club or whatever? It doesn't even really matter. But they've got this weird obsession with we're the most successful club in the world. And um, I, I see seeing their, fr- their fans on social media saying, well, if they win this game, uh, this trophy, and then they win this trophy, then we won't be the most successful club in the world anymore. And blah, blah. And it's like, it's like for us, like the the most important thing that you can do. Okay, from my point of view, the most successful thing that Celtic have ever done is won the European Cup, because mm-hmm. that makes you elite, and no one can take that away from you. So the nineteen sixty seven European Cup final is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to our club, and probably will ever happen to our club. But it's also one of the greatest things that's happened to us because you know we are part of that, right? Um, and they are turning around saying they might win the Scottish Cup, the League Cup, and then the League, and then they're going to be better than us. We, they are broken. Yeah. And we shouldn't get wrapped up in that. Because yes, I know, I know, I know. But also... Remember just, all that? Remember remember the Hutt lads of a few seasons ago? Right now, as a football club, the direction that we're going in, it's going to happen inevitably. I just let it happen naturally. See all that whole, I can't wait to get past them stuff. I'm not allowed. Maybe this is me. Just, no, no, I like Maybe it. I'm just sharing here too much. It's going. I think it will happen naturally, but I ain't counting. Put it that way. I'm not counting. I, I'm genuinely not counting. Alan, you get a face. Your face is tripping. Yeah, well, I would bad. just think. I would say the European Cup probably counts as like I don't know four trophies. So That's actually, four, when, you, four, when you think about it like that, then we're already ahead. If you nah, think- I'm, I'm the same as you. At the time, I'll lord over them just because it's a wee bit of fun, and we've had that. I mean, I was about to say. 
it's one of the things that just wash over. You see when they say that, like world's most successful club, you just kind of look and go, right, <laughs> yep, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure thing, if you like. Um, so, I mean, if we overtake them, then that'll be good, and hopefully Celtic's media team will come out with a wee bit of funny, um, you know, humour, but that, it'll just be in a case of then trying to win the league the next year, because otherwise, if you if that's the height of your ambition, then yes. you're just going to go neck and neck year on year. Absolutely. And I think what we are hoping is, and we were hoping a couple of years ago, not that you can try and be too serious, but I would a long-term vision for Celtic is to get to a stage where actually... Like see that scenario under Rogers when we were rocking up to Ibrooks and winning five one and your full back that never scores beats two players and sticks it in the back of the net. I'd, I'd quite happily go back to that to be honest. Um, and if we could improve in Europe, then that's the way to do it. So long term, aye, that hopefully we, it's Europe, but it's, it's Europe. Long, yeah, long, long term really is to just leave them in the dust as the the benchmark and to really just Europe. Yeah, I mean. It, it's we say it every week, but it's true, and we need to keep yeah. saying it because it is the most important benchmark. And it, this, I've said this before many times over the years, and it might be simplistic, but you need to aim to be the best possible team you can in Europe because then the league should take yeah, care of itself. Care One hand washes it. I think in that respect, one hundred percent. Just on the drink thing, what will you have? Just out of curiosity. Oft, um. Pint of bitter, please. <laughs> <laughs> bit weird. Augustina, um, probably. I think I may get a miss after Sunday, to be honest. <laughs> He's still hanging out. No, no, just, just take it easy for a couple of days. Just try and lie low, you know. Uh, Maybe a pint of McEwan's Lager. Just in tribute to the late Rangers. Aye, and uh, see how Smith windows to look out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul Gibson, just as we're finishing up with the, the game on, on Sunday, because we get some bits to talk about with Ange. Um, yeah. Paul Gibson asks on the. He <laughs> doesn't even say the striker's name. He just says on the shut your whole fat boy goal. <laughs> there's a clear push from him onto Moy. Why doesn't VAR acknowledge this? The same thing happened with him versus Livingston, and he got a penalty for it. That's a hundred percent true. This isn't clever centre forward play. This is a foul. Thoughts of the esteemed colleague uh, of the esteemed panel. Um, there wasn't a VR didn't really come into it on Sunday no I don't know if they even went to VAR at any point nah um, just the normal cursory check that they would do after a goal if yeah. it was at Celtic Park but it wasn't so <laughs> just uh, yeah so VAR, VAR didn't really come into Jacob it Jacob was a foul by Manelos you could absolutely his the one he got at Levy wasn't a penalty um, I think if you See if you give that, that for a foul every time in the box, whether for or against the attacking team, football will not, you'll not want to get corners, you'll not want to see corners in games. Yeah. I don't mind about a shot grabbing in the box, and <laughs> I just prefer if we didn't have that for those scenarios, to be honest. Um, but he's absolutely right, and you know, that scenario does arise. You could have gave a foul, absolutely, and I would have liked it, I would have enjoyed it, it made the last half hour a bit more comforting, but I'm, I'm happy to. I mean, it's easy saying it now, you know, you win the game, but I'm quite happy to let that one go. And things like that in the box, I, I, I don't want to see the game, Develop you know, you've got, you've, got, what, you, you've what, got 12 guys fighting for the ball in the box. There is going to be, I think there is a wee grab of the shirt um, and going by the standard that we've seen. Um, but I think Paul answers his own question when he says, you know, why doesn't VAR acknowledge this? I think we kind of feel it we know the answer to that. It's a big decision to make and I don't think they wanted to make that decision at that point in the game. 
I would agree. Into, it never even registered with me, to be perfectly honest, that it was a foul. I was more, you know, more concerned with how we tried to defend it, to be perfectly honest. I thought we were a wee bit poor for that, if I'm being honest. So, talking about the, the, the levy penalty, I think really what we're talking about here is the consistency and how appalling refereeing is. Because that wasn't a foul. No. That levy penalty was disgraceful. I wouldn't be calling for those to be given. I would be calling them out and saying, why are you giving that? Because that is not a foul. Uh, and for me, I think even if we'd lost that game, I wouldn't be focusing on that, to be perfectly honest. No. But the letter of the law, I can see why. Yeah, do no, you know absolutely. what I mean? But the letter of the law, you know, you might say that that is a foul. But... You start doing that, yes. But I, I wouldn't be using that as part of the hard luck story had we lost, you know. And I think when you're looking at it, we've had VAR in Scotland, what, for five months? The players won't yet be at a stage where they know this is going to go to VAR. I can overplay that contact. We've just got to be stronger there. You've got to be stronger. You've got yeah. to accept contact. Whose fault was it if they go? Uh, I think it's a kind of comedy errors, to be honest. I, I think, firstly, there's no one screening properly that front post, which is where we stop a lot of things coming in. <coughs> and if you do that, then it doesn't, for it to travel that far without contact is pretty messy. And then, Obviously, he's free because there has been that wee tussle and he's come out stronger. I, I would want my players to be a wee bit stronger there and just not get kind of bullied off the ball as easily. Um, Joe Hart's pretty unlucky, to be fair. I, if he would have saved that, it would have been down as a, a top save and that would have been just a nice wee moment. But, you know, it's what it is. But. The, the, see, with Morelos, I mean, there was the start of the game as well where him and... I was going to say Vickers, but it's Carter. Vickers have been pulled up for that. <laughs> he, 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 the, the two of them came together and, and Carter Vickers came off second best, you know, at the start of the game. Then went on to dominate him, you know what I mean? It was almost like, I think that's the thing about Morelos, whatever you say about him. You know, he's difficult in those situations. He's It's, it's difficult to kind of deal with him. I even seen that at Ibrooks, especially after when Juranovic came on for Taylor. He missed a couple of real opportunities in that it's difficult so I wouldn't be too critical of the, the, the team you know in terms of how it's I'll be happy I'll be happy when he leaves yeah I, well I'm not I'm not wait a minute you're going too far uh, I wasn't trying to no, bestow, no, I, just, I wasn't um, trying to bestow huge qualities on him in there but I wouldn't be too critical pain in the ass. because it, it, it's difficult to defend against a guy like that at times in there um, so Aye. I, I don't like making predictions and I don't like to say things that might come back but see for me with, with Morelos I think that time where I would have been glad to see him go is gone yeah. and I think he's better the devil you know now um, oh, yeah, I, I, I genuinely thought on Sunday I thought I know he scores a goal I, th I think he, he was a hindrance to him because he offered nothing in behind he never held up the ball Good he got into a couple of wee battles early on but the game largely passed him by and it, it looked like he was just chasing shadows at times and I think that helped us a lot so um, yeah, I think this version of Morelos, if they want to sign him a new deal, then I think you can acknowledge that there are situations where he's still a handful, but they're a lot less than it was previously. Yeah. Overall, has seeing that situation there where you're saying you want your players to be stronger, it's difficult. I mean, Vickers is, you know, for him to lose out in that. I mean, I'm not trying to make a big deal of it because it really ultimately didn't mean anything. But it's difficult to be strong against yeah. a guy like that because that's a huge part of his game. But I would totally agree. Overall, for me, he's a guy who, if he stays there, they're not going to... It's going to cost the most, yeah, cost the most problems. They're not going to kick on any level, so I'm, I'm happy for him to be there. Great stuff. Uh, we've got 
<coughs> you know, uh, the WhatsApp, um, we've been WhatsApped um, by our good friend Michael Doak, who says, All right, lads, the worry I had was it would be similar to Roger's second season football, mm. where we were overachieved, um, where we overachieved and just first season, but it's been so scintillating to watch as the week goes on. Kyogo and McGregor are so pivotal in the way we play. Um, as we kind of move away from the game, um, I mean, McGregor, I thought, was outstanding. Mm. Um, Keogh scores two goals. Mm. Outstanding. Um, thoughts, just kind of brief thoughts on them, them, them two. But in the space of eight weeks, all the worries we had about Kyogo, and because to be a well-remembered or legendary or hero status or whatever at Celtic, you've got to do it in the big games. Yep. Double in a final. Double in a final against Rangers. Double in a final last year. I think he's... The difference between Kyogo pre World Cup and post World Cup is pretty big. Is just incredible, um, and he is he must just be absolutely flying at the moment. So he looks like he's going to go on and have a the, put in the kind of numbers that we haven't seen for a Celtic striker in quite some time as well. So hopefully that will power him on into next season. But in the space of eight weeks, he's changed. I think everyone's potential view on him and it wasn't that long ago we were sitting on here talking about next season of Champions League and thinking will he be the man that gets the nod and I think now with the kind of form he's shown in these big games you're starting to think that you know I think we were fair with him last time I don't think anybody had written him off but you're now thinking yep maybe he just was quite badly out of form that first kind of he had a good start up until the end of August and then when September came he just wasn't quite the same player and he suffered a little bit it feels like such a long time ago now, so delighted for him. I don't think, I mean, I think you react to what you see with Kyogo, and at the time when we were talking about Giacomakis and Kyogo, yeah. talking about Champions League quality, I think we were both very content to say that Giacomakis would never be good enough to lead us at this level. I think we were talking about the strikers we had at the club, you know. But there was a question mark over whether or not Kyogo had the quality to do that. We had seen it, and I think we had acknowledged that if he gets back to that level, then yes, he could do it. But for me, the hugest thing that happened to Kyogo, and it might be oversimplifying it, but for me, big players at this club score in Europe and they score against Rangers. When he scored that equaliser at Ibrox, I think that was, maybe it was just a weight off my mind and the support's yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. I maybe. But it might very well have been a weight off his mind too, because <laughs> it, it, let's not beat around the bush. It, it is quite simply one of the benchmarks that you've got yeah. to kind of meet as a Celtic striker. Don't, don't you think? So now he's got three. It's the same as uh, Alfredo Morelos in half the <laughs> time. Just thought I'd mention that. Don't you th- that had not occurred to me. Don't you think, um, so like, see when Keogh, and he hadn't played a lot of games against Rangers because, you know, he was he played out wide in the very first Angers game and then he was injured for a lot last season as well. And then, um, obviously, in the game in April, he played for like a minute before he got injured. Sorry to interrupt. See, the more you think about that and the more that we've seen Keogh go now for, what, a year and a half? What was Ange thinking putting him out wide left? Because genuinely, he does he does not look like he has any of the qualities whatsoever of a wide midfielder. He I mean, does not look like he could play anywhere else. Especially anyway, as you could play Edward. We did wide we did, left more comfortably. Yeah. The three of us did. Uh, Get him out. <laughs> Ange, <laughs> we're for the good week, but actually something's just came to your attention. The three of us did the reaction afterwards, um, after the Rangers game at the very start of last season. And um, that's the thing. As soon as Kyogo went in, in the middle, you get in on the edge, uh, on the end of like three different books. That's right. Uh, but no, but it just like, I thought on Sunday he played with a lot more freedom. Like you mentioned that goal about how maybe it was just you know it was the kind of monkey off our back. I think it was the monkey off his back because I thought again, I thought on Sunday he looked more like 
against Rangers at Ibrox, I think he looked a little bit more <coughs> pensive. And maybe that was to do with the, the semi-final where he came, well, I don't know if he started or he came on, I can't quite remember. But I thought on Sunday it was Kyogo in full flow and he looked yeah. relaxed and he's like, I've got this. The difference is and now, that's important. The, the difference, and you're right, I can only speak for myself and, you know, surmise for the broader support. Prior to that goal at Ibrox, there was a period of time with Kyogo that I went into games against them thinking, I, I'm not sure he's going to score. Whereas, that's not the case now. We go into that game, especially with the form he's on, and I'm thinking, I fancy him for a goal today. Um, and it's entirely possible or plausible that the game at Ibrox were equalised did kind of change his mindset because I think you are right, there is a bit more freedom to his game, more confidence, you know, in Absolutely. terms of his ability. Absolutely. Um, maybe he's got a motivational speaker in the background <laughs> that's helping him out. But um, but definitely, there's a real, real change in his demeanour and, uh, you know, his, his form just now. And um, long may it continue. I think on just, and it is quite specific to the way he plays, but see and you've seen it against Rangers, seen it for the goals. See when we get either one of the full-backs or one of the number eights into that advanced area, like almost in line with Kyogo, and they've got the ball and you've turned the team, it does feel like now teams are kind of dead when that happens. Mm. And I think that's what gave us a little bit of confidence on Sunday, and it must give him confidence. See if we're playing against Rangers and Moy, O'Reilly... Hitati, they're not getting that high up or they're getting that high up and they've not got the ball. I think he then wonders where his chances are going to come from because he then has to do something spectacular or it's going to have to be a different type of goal. But see when we get players with the ball in line with their kind of last line of defence and you know then you're going to have runners off, you're going to have the fullback, you're going to have the winger, you're going to have another midfield option. I think he looks at it and he thinks all that movement, that's for... The defenders, I'm just going to stay here and I know that that ball, if it comes across, it'll be for me. And I think that's why you've seen it with Rangers. See if, you know, Hitati picks up the ball or he's able to drive into that area and he's on the last line of defence. Someone will step out or someone will make a mistake and Kyogo almost knows. I, for someone that just moves constantly, what he's starting to do now is, is when everyone else is moving in the ball, he's just staying. And I, See, when you get to that kind of level as a player, when you start to see things that clearly and that's, you know, almost you can slow it down, mm. I think that's where he's got real caught. And you look at his goals at the weekend, it's not because of his manic movement or he's, you know, it's just doing the right things at the right time. And I just think when you've got a player that's playing with that level of confidence, you fancy him now. And I think what you say, you say some man is exactly spot on now. When you're playing against Rangers now, I think he knows He's, he's seen it, he's done it before, you know, that positive mindset, visualisation, whatever you like, he's actually done it now, and he'll think now, I can do all the running, all the hard work, the defensive side that people see, and the commentators kind of almost, I sometimes think there's a wee bit of kind of sneeriness about it, because he works so hard, same with Dyson Maeda, I think they give him the compliment, but then also, well, it's kind of, you know, really good players don't have to do it, that's all the distraction, yeah. but what you're seeing from them now is that composure in the box, and just yeah. waiting, waiting for the moment, and you'll not see an easier goal than what his first goal at the weekend. Just waits for the ball, taps it in, second goal, a five-yard dart, looks easy, but he's just doing all the right things. And I think for a Rangers point of view, it's just very difficult to defend, to be honest, because there's, if you don't chase Moy, he'll pick up the ball, he'll shoot, he'll pass. If you do, someone else will take his place. And it just, as I say, I just feel that like when we get the ball into those areas now, teams are toast, certainly domestically. 
Beautiful. Um, as we say, um, if you go to the cynic.co, um, we had, uh, we've had lots of, uh, analysis of the game throughout the week and, uh, we have podcasts every day and we have had for the last three years at the cynic.co. Check it out, um, for all your Celtic con- content needs. Um, a j- final, uh, question. <coughs> it's more of a point. Um, from, uh, Kevin McGoldrick. He messages in to say, Evening team, this narrative that the zombies are spewing that there isn't a massive gap between the teams is laughable. They set up like any other team in this country, try to slow the game down, play the long balls on the counter and hope to take us to penalties. They get aggregate score is 8-3 and that's with us only playing really well in one of the games. If we get them and we're on it, then it's 4-5-0. or five nil. Cheers. And then he says, PS, when will, the, uh, when will there be a pod on Henrik? Which I think we might do... Soon. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about the gap. I suppose I would agree with the point about they set up like other teams, not exactly like other teams, but they do set up to stop us playing as opposed to, you know, trying to play as our own game or, or playing attacking football. They are the best at it in Scotland, obviously, but it's, and it goes back to the point that we made about a crossroads. It is 8 3. You know, they'll point to the fact that Bill's only been in for, for one league game in, in, in one cup final, obviously, so he's only... Has he shown anything to, to you fear? He's not... Sh- <laughs> the thing about Bill is as well, right, if we're being kind to him, his credentials as a coach, you know, I wouldn't, I was going to say they're not in question, that's not fair, but he was obviously a, a well and highly rated coach, which is why he ended up with a, a manager's job at QPR and now he's here. Being a good coach doesn't make you a good manager. And I think some of the signs that we're seeing, getting involved in a spat with Chris Sutton. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> delicious. I love Big Sutton, but the minute you, you're, you're, you're taking yeah. the bait from somebody so prominent in the media, a wee alarm bell. Alistair McCaw coming in, a motivational speaker announcing that in, in the week. Just wee things like that suggest to me that, yes, you've... You developed the style that was so successful for even when they got to the Europa League final. Van Bronckhorst tweaked what was already there, so fundamentally, a lot of the same elements of the game were there. Um, so he, if he was responsible for that, then you know you, you acknowledge that. But that does, it's like Ian Cathro. Ian Cathro was, you know, at some really big football clubs. You know, well respected coach and. You would have some people talking about how it was a disgrace how he was treated. It's not a disgrace. It's it's like a dog it's eat football. it's a dog eat dog world football management. And being a good coach does not necessarily translate into being a good manager. And there are signs that Bill isn't coping with that very well. So does if anything that can worry us I'd be loath to say no because there is a pedigree and there's a level of success that he's had a big part in previously. But I'm also acknowledging and seeing there's some cracks appearing there, which means that any of that work can fall down pretty quickly. Alan, any kind of further points on that? Yeah, I just think a coach will work with the players he's got and try and come up with the best game plan that they've got. I think the noises you're starting to hear now from Michael Beale um, is that he's not happy with the personnel he's got. So I think whether he'll succeed or fail at Rangers will entirely be based on can he recruit? Can he recruit the players that he wants to play? Whatever kind of system it is, because like we talked about in the game Sunday, going long with zero threat and behind at all against you know your biggest rival, 
kind of makes it a wee bit easier for guys like Staffel and Carter Vickers to press. And I think it was, um, I think it was Christian that mentioned it on the review, or it might have been Graham um, from before the derby, and they talked about when Rangers went two one up in that game um, at Ibrooks, and they went defensive. Mm-hmm. That just kind of highlights that you know how big the moment is and how big it is you need to win. Yeah. So instead of just doing what got you into that position, and Change. loads of coaches do it. This isn't even just that. This is being quite genuine. You don't think, just stick with it and believe. You then think, I'm happy. With, I'm so happy we've got us into this position. I'm going to drop back now and make sure that we don't lose it. And I think that just maybe highlights a wee bit of mindset. And, you know, we might be frustrated when we were winning games and Joe Hart goes and grabs the ball quickly and throws it in and you think, fucking slow down, relax, we're winning. But it's obviously about trying to drill into the players that just... The result will take care of itself. Just keep trying to do the right things. And that, to me, is a mindset that a year and a half ago I would have probably laughed at and thought, but here I am sitting saying it's one of the best kind of periods of being a Celtic fan in my life is that exact frustration and joy. And uh, I wouldn't change it forever. <coughs> See, going back to Bill, what you'd said about him going defensive at Ibrox. Two years ago, that's not his call. And yeah, yeah that's, that's true. And, right. and the, the fact of the matter is it's a lot easier when that's not your call because it's made it works great you know doesn't, if it doesn't you know it's it's Gerard that points to it and it also comes back he's dealing with largely the same group of players where <laughs> it's, it's largely the yeah, same group of players and, it's, and, and there's been kind of murmurings in the in, in the past about who his favourites were back then it's dead easy to be pals as a coach with players when you're not picking them on the Sunday you could go you know you had a really good training session you really trained well this week it's not you know, to me though not up to me. We'll see how it is. See when you're not doing that. These things, these these are all small things that could contribute to the fact that whatever success or however good he is tactically and all that might not translate into winning football games over the longer period. Genuinely loving these. <laughs> he's just painting a picture, and he's not quite saying it, but he's saying they hate him. Don't, they hate him. But don't you think Chris should do ASMR? Sort of like him, um, just like What's put, that? it's like when you speak and it puts people to sleep and all that. <laughs> that You're selling a bigger. product here, yeah. by the way. So uh, no, no, in a good way. Oh, in a good way, right? Okay. Like in a, in a, okay. Yes, nah, anyway, nah, I don't yeah, like where nah, this is nah, going. Nah, nah, it's fine. Um, as we say, you know, Celtic uh, uh, League Cup ch- champions, I guess they called themselves Scottish Cup champions. So why? Oh, they did. Uh, League Cup winners. They um, called themselves what? Sorry, they called themselves Scottish Cup champions last year. Isn't uh, that weird. I feel like again, I'm like there with the world's most success. Ah, yeah, sure. well, crack on. Good for you. Just be careful. As, as we say, uh, uh, Celtic absolutely dominating on the Friday. The Celtic FC women's team smashed Rangers 3 0. Um, there's a full podcast on uh, the Cynic by uh, Claire Wilde and Lorenzo Pacitti going over everything with that game. Uh, the Celtic women's football show drops every single Wednesday uh, as part of the subscription. Um, interestingly, you know when you know when you win a big trophy or like you know you beat your rivals and you're you're sitting there and you're just pouring over everything and you're just so excited and then something drops about your manager and when you're a Celtic fan it's usually something to do with your manager's leaving or your manager's a bit of a dick or blah 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 (laughs) (laughs) but what dropped on I think it was Monday um just Ange saying, I might be here for pure ages, by the way. Um, mm. I've got some quotes. Um, I think you'll be... All right, okay, I was going to read it out, but you're a host, mate. You're a host. Uh, 
when people say this, so this is from Ange Postecoglou. It's a quote. When people say he's going to go down the road or somewhere else with the first offer he gets, it's not how I'm wired. It's not how I think. For me, what it's about is just trying to leave a mark wherever I am. I have done that with every football club I've been at. I want to do that at this club too, and that is all that consumes me. I don't think about the next step, or I need to get somewhere else, or I need to do this, or I need to consider these things. It's all there, and you don't have to go through life oblivious to it. That's true. It's not even healthy to put the blinkers up and not know what is going on, because that tests your desires to keep going what you're doing. Um... I'm really passionate about what I do. The people close to me know what this is important to me, what drives me and what keeps me sort of happy in my role. I'm hoping that over the course of the time, as long as I'm here, and I'm still here, even though people have been getting me out the door and I think you'll be surprised how long I am here, Uh I'm consumed by trying to make this club the best it can be and I'll enjoy every minute of it. And he goes on to say other, like, you know, interesting quotes about management and stuff like that. But Mm. that quote... um, and I'm still here, even though people have been getting me out of the door. And I think you'll be surprised how long I'm here. Look, football managers are fickle. We understand that. Um, but Ange Postecoglou, you know, his quotes, you know, Brendan, we've been burned by Brendan Rogers is the problem, right? So Brendan Rogers said a lot of things that made us think he would be here for a lot longer than he was. And then when he left that um, Dusty Day, Alan, I'm sorry. I know he's still a bit upset about it. February. Um, but when he just left... Um, kind of almost out of the blue, very quickly. Um, it, it genuinely, I think, damaged the psyche of a lot of Celtic supporters in regards to how we kind of accept managers and what they're saying. There was a certain level of, you know, distrust. But every time you look at what Ange says in his quotes, and he lays them out very bare, and he's not mm. he's not promising anything, but it's positive, Chris. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We mentioned Henrik earlier on, and obviously he's the greatest player probably that we've seen at Celtic um, yeah. in our time. And, you know, how lucky we were to have him, the goals he scored, and what he subsequently went on to do proved just how good he was. But I've always said that we were as good for him as he was for us, and I think there's a real parallel there with Postacoglu. Now, there's a, this... There's, there's this kind of there's a natural inclination because we're in Scotland to link down to England and how that that's the the, 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 the bright mark, yeah. the bright lights and how we're wanting to go down there and he's shown a modicum of success so far that's naturally going to have those links but it's also going to have rivals linking them to them too because they would love them to go down down south there but um. There's a couple of things. One, I think he realises what he's got here just now and what he's still capable of achieving. And two, where he would want to go down in England, I think would be significantly improved if his stature and performances in Europe improve. Because we've had managers up here who are have been really successful. Domestically. Domestically. And then not really been able to kind of go on to much down there. Now, Rogers got Leicester, and he'd already managed at Liverpool. Now, you, there might have been an argument if there was a bigger job than Leicester at that time that he could have he could have got it. But I think that was not only based on what he did here, it was also based on the fact that he ran Liverpool so close to the title. Postacoglu, probably there would be a club in the Premier League, I think, that would take a punt on him. I think more clubs would take a punt 
punt. Man, that sounds as if it's a, a chance, but I suppose any manager's a chance. More clubs and probably better clubs will do that if he couples domestic success, pleasing on the eye, with some level of European success that you can say he's above that level and he's rising above that. And I think he knows that. I think he wants to do that. The most annoyed I've seen the manager this season has been in his post-match press conferences in the Champions League because it's where he sees himself. It's the level he wants to test himself at. And I don't think he was angry. I think there was a frustration there. And the way that he talks about himself <laughs> and his burning desire, improving that will be at the foremost of his mind. That, I think, might be a platform to move on just now. But I also get the feeling he's not in a huge rush to leave. I do too. Alan? Yeah, I, I think we talked a lot and, and all you know, other pods have been talking about all the comments that were made last week from Rangers going into the game. We've talked already tonight about mindset and Celtic were very quiet, very professional last week. And that's what you, I think we'd maybe even mentioned that a couple of weeks ago on the agenda, um, on the, <clears throat> the weekly, that when you're, when you're the front runner, you just need to say very little and just keep winning. And that's what we've been ruthless since the World Cup. We've been exceptional. Um, so I think the League Cup final winning that, obviously it's very emotional, but I think for probably everyone, it's a, maybe a good moment to sit back and think. And then if you are going to say something, maybe that's an opportunity to do it. And I think Ange coming out after you've won the League Cup, he is linked now regularly with jobs down south, even though it doesn't really appear that anything, he's, you know, made that kind of final three shot list type, which is when you probably start to get a little bit panicky. But the fact he's taken that moment to then not only enjoy it, acknowledge it, but then actually maybe indicate, and he's, he's not specific, he's not silly enough to put times on it. I think what it probably does say is, is that he sees himself continuing in this role next season. Uh, I, I don't know how long he thinks, you know, by very surprised that could mean four years. That's a long time to be a manager, I'm sure. But I think what he's done is, after winning a trophy, and I talked about how Sunday just felt <coughs> joyous and it felt like we were on the way up, probably a lot of it has to do with the fact that the manager post-match has said, actually, I think, you know, I could be here a little bit longer than you guys think, which I would take to mean he's not going anywhere in the summer and that is you know Samani says for next year he's going to have a crack at that game domestically but in reality all managers Champions League is where it's at you win the league this year there's a high high likelihood you'll be automatic in the Champions League next year so that's what if you want to read exactly what it is from it I would say that it's that he'll be here next year beyond that I don't think he thinks that far ahead and I don't think he'll think that far ahead. I would say that a manager saying that gives a clear indication that they're not going anywhere in the near the kind of short term. So I think from our point of view, it's very encouraging. Um, so it was pleasing, exciting. Um, I'd be happy, see if he gave us next season and he's given us three full seasons. Like, I, I don't want to, I'm not wanting to wish the manager away, but if he leaves at the end of next season, at the end of it and not in the middle of it, and that's... Well, lie, there's that. Please leave in between seasons if you're going to leave, right? Yeah. Because that that's that's brutal. But there's also a part of me, maybe what's happened with, with, with recent managers as well is, see if he goes, he goes. You know that's you know that's the nature of football. You know, but I don't think that we should build. We should always remember what we can offer. Football yeah, managers, yeah. we can really offer them something. And it might get to the stage whereby 
he is stagnating, and that doesn't mean that his levels as a manager are, are diminishing. It just happens after a period mm-hmm. of time yeah. at some football clubs, and it might be then time for him to move on, and he goes with our best wishes. As long as I'm wanting Anshir, as long as He's I see good us, for us, and we're good for him. Exactly, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Do you think uh, we underestimate our, our undersell our club sometimes? In, not us, not us, right? But like in some ways, yes, and in other ways, no, because we're very quick to acknowledge the size of us and uh, what we would do if we were in a better league and all that sort of stuff. But we're also, I think, there's a, a kind of hidden mindset that the minute somebody shines brightly, they're, they're just going to leave. Uh, and it doesn't always happen. I mean, football and money dictates generally that's going to be the case. But, um, yeah, it, it's sometimes, especially with, with, with Ange, I mean, players are different because football clubs can take punts on players and, and, and some will work and some won't work. You know, Tierney went down, you know, and then you've had other, you've had Edward, who at one point we thought was going to be a really, really top striker, but he's not really hit the heights. <coughs> Managers are real, it's a different thing and it's a different thing for other clubs to judge on the basis of what he's done here. So he's not daft either. I think he knows that. I think he knows that there's not a lot of football clubs who are going to give you a crack at Champions League football mm-hmm. or even Europa League football every single season. So there are benefits to us for a, a guy like Postacoglu uh, as well. And sometimes we need to remember that, you know, without being disrespectful, European football is where it's at. And we gave him that opportunity here when other clubs hadn't. Um, and he'll know that and he'll be grateful for that. Um, so it goes back to what you'd said there. See if it's mutually beneficial. That's the way it'll work. I, I don't know how, as a football manager, and I think Andrew said it, other football manager, I don't know how you could think, I mean, we're in February 2023, and we're saying if he's here next year, we'd be happy with that. I don't know how you could think further than that. Because right. a club like Celtic, if you don't win the league next year, <laughs> the atmosphere yeah. changes like that. <laughs> so, um, and there will be, you know, you, I think Andrew's a little bit different because you mentioned Brendan Rodgers, age profiles are different. Um, I think he probably, presumably, as kind of, he probably once he's retired, he probably won't live in the UK. He'll probably, I would imagine, go back to Australia, um, where he spent kind of most of his his life. So it's a very different scenario, and I think he does seem very aware and very relaxed about it. And I know people, I would probably like it if Celtic came out tomorrow and said, "Look, Andrew's just signed a four year deal." But I always think back to like, this kind of Stylian Petrov scenario with things like that now, and I know that's. But really you, you kind of think all you're doing is protecting yourself then if a club yeah, approaches yeah. them. Now, if, you know, if I can have one of your kind of top eight, top 10 English teams came in this summer and we only get 12 months money because it's a 12 months rolling contract or if he signs a four year deal, see, to be entirely honest, that means absolutely Fuck nothing honest. to me. Yeah. You know, we've got a good young squad, good age profile and there's plenty of assets in there. So see if I'm just happy with a 12 month rolling contract. Just stick with it. I, I really, the contract thing doesn't fuss me. If he comes out and says things like this, and he's not saying I'm going to be here for, but he's just saying actually, I think he's signposting to himself, to the players, to the fans, that, you know, you don't need to worry in the short term. 18 months, that might be entirely different. 12 months, it might be different. But how can you plan any further than that? So if he's comfortable with that, I, I think I'm more comfortable with it. I, I, his contract situation never comes across my mind, to be honest. Yeah, I know what you mean. Never. Um, <clears throat> let's move on to... Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm still a bit ill. My, my throat's a bit closing up a bit. Um, let's say a question... That does not sound positive. 
it doesn't. I am not a doctor. Um, <laughs> we got a question. Let, let's kind of focus on the St Mirren game. Let's like, do that, Chris. Straight on to that. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm saying let's go on to the St Mirren game. Um, <laughs> you, said, you said it in such a way. Um, Jambo Roy sends in a question. Um, hope everyone on the panel has had a thoroughly enjoyable week. Given our last game at St Mirren and the poor performance, would you be hesitant to make too many changes? I feel Haxabanovich, sorry, I feel Haxabanovich, O and Awata played well enough to merit a start, but starting three of them, a little bit over the top. So, we've got St Mirren on Sunday, 12pm. I am going to read out the team that we played uh, against them uh, in the last game, which is our only domestic defeat of the season. Um, it's actually not that bad. I thought it was a lot worse. Uh, it's Joe Hart and goal, uh, Greg Taylor, Jens, Welsh, Ralston, mm. Turnbull, Moy, McGregor, mm. Maeda, Kyogo, Abada. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <fuck> <laughs> I, that does feel a very, very different team there. Yeah, it Rio does. Hitati, O'Reilly and Jota and Gigi. It's, it's, it's funny when you're reading that back there that the whipping boy was definitely Moy after that game. You know, mm-hmm. that everybody... That's when a lot of people wrote him off, not anybody on this podcast this evening. Uh, I hasten to add, but... We, we, I just need to check my records. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might well have. Back then, I mean, certainly certainly, I didn't see Moy being as influential as he is further forward. I, yeah, I think I we'd seen... Forget. I think we'd seen um, some of his, his kind of ball retention... Um, skills in Europe you know in terms of maybe being able to see some games out but he's certainly proved just about everybody wrong in terms of attacking a tent but see when you think about that back four there I mean I, I didn't realise that's who played that day that would have had a big part not just you know, I mean, Jen, defensively. Jen, Jen's and Welsh, no disrespect to any of them, I think they're both individually good players, but neither of them are leaders. And, you know, no. either of the, them two with Carter Vickers and even Starfelt, you think, okay, it's a different kettle of fish. But them two together, and obviously they played in Leipzig as well, it's just like, fuck, what they're more do, de- They're know? more defensively frail, and that back four wouldn't be particularly strong at bringing the ball out, playing out from the back. So, Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Alan? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the centre-half pairing... I think the people always think back to Moy in that game because it was his... It, I think maybe he felt that we Moy epitomised the fact that we were a bit sluggish. He certainly wasn't the player he is now. But you do remember the goals that we lost in that game and defenders were pretty flat-footed. I mean, yeah. I think the honeymoon period for... What was what date was that? September 16, 17 for something like that? Yeah, um, I think the honeymoon period for Jens... Pretty much ended about 60 minutes into the game against Real Madrid at home. That kind of is when it felt a little bit like he is rough around the edges. Then he puts in this performance at St Mirren. And he the, the same thing I always said about Jens. He could be really top draw, but he could be really poor. And I think we talked about it on here, but you never know when the poor's coming. It could be Ross County, it could be St Mirren, it could be Real Madrid. And that's very hard to judge. So I think that back line does feel like... Um, it was like a very, very long time ago. Are you getting any fears about Saturday, Chris? Sunday, um, Sunday sorry. I don't, I don't think we should fear anybody, but I think there should be a healthy respect for St Mel. Not specifically because they beat us. You know, I mean, not, it wasn't long ago that any time we played Livingston... Um, uh, are, they, are they the new Livingston away? away? <laughs> well, that's what I'm... You know, it wasn't that... T- now, if we were playing Livingston, you would give it that healthy respect... 
you would have a, a, a real knowledge and a, a dislike of the pitch, but you wouldn't begin into that game thinking we're not going to get a result here, and I don't think we should do that in this because it was going to be a wildly different starting lineup. <clears throat> Excuse me, the squad depth is even is is even better from then um, as well. Turnbull started that game. Turnbull's not going to get near the football pitch um, against St Mirren unless we are winning and he's brought on. You know, because I wouldn't even see him coming on. So you know, that's what I'm saying. He's, he might come on later on in the game, but that would be after we'd won it. I don't see him either. He's not going to start, and I don't see him being the guy that he would turn to to try and turn it. Um, so I'm not looking at that and thinking they're the only team you have beaten us. That's I'm overly worried about it. But you give them the respect that they're due. Their game plan that day was very good. I don't think we could have scored in if you added another 90 minutes onto that game. It was just one of those where it came very clear once they'd got their noses in front that we were gubbed. But right now, this football team, with the squad we've got, the form we're in, we shouldn't fear the empty. Alan, you were going to come in there? Yeah, just when we're talking about Turnbull, and it's, it's maybe in time we'll look at the League Cup final as a, a bit of a end point in another stage of Angie's Celtic because there has been this evolution going on and on we might be over uh, sorry looking into it a bit much but Awata coming on and being I think that would be the first time that he's been other than I think his debut that would be the first time that he's been the go-to before Turnbull this is, a, think, this is a league, and cup, a league cup final, final. You know, that's huge. and James Forrest not being on the bench potentially it could be it felt like it was a little bit like Ange seeing it as big game, big decisions. We kind of move on from there. And it did, it, it had a little bit of that feeling. And I tell you what makes me, th- um, when you watch the post-match celebrations, it did just feel like a kind of new era of Ange's Celtic was being born a little bit with the new guys that had just signed in January. When you're looking at guys like O'Reilly and Hitati's kind of the slightly older guard, it just felt a little bit, you can see guys getting pushed out a little bit. And that's not a comment specifically in Turnbull or Forrest, although they probably are the guys that are, they are struggling. But I think you could, you could maybe just see it coming a little bit. So I would think for Sunday, I think you would. I think you might make a change or two, but certainly wouldn't fear it. And I think the changes you would make, I think it'll be the same as in it'll be that middle to front. Mm. I, I don't see him, I really don't see him making a change across the back unless there's an injury because everyone there, you've got largely a game a week now at the end of the season and the guys across the back, I thought I thought they were exceptional. And Aside from a couple of errors, you know, slackness, Staff Elton Taylor gave the ball away, but the, the amount of times that we played out and we were really comfortable, that's probably as good a collective back four performance, both with the ball and without the ball I've seen from them in a while. So I would be reticent to make any changes to there. Mm. If you want to add in, as you know, the question um, says, Awata Haksibanovic, I wouldn't have any issue with that. Yeah. Because they look like the talented players, even potentially Abada. Um, you know, I think he's maybe a, the, the one that's getting himself a little bit pushed out. And I know there was stuff in the week about him, but we can maybe come at that another time. It feels like. Haksabanovic come on and he was really impactful. I know that he missed chances, but he just looked a threat. Mm. He would be one that you would be thinking going in. I'm quite comfortable with middle to front, the changes that we make, because everyone looks like any time they get an opportunity, they take it. Whereas at the back, I just don't see why you would make any changes whatsoever. 
Uh, no, no. I, I completely agree. Um, the last two times we've played, we've played St Mirren fairly regularly in the last kind of month or so. Uh, the 18th of January, we beat them 4-0 at Celtic Park. And then the 11th of February, we beat them 5-1 at Celtic Park. Again, as mentioned, both at Celtic Park. Let's not make um, St Mirren Park to be the new um, Livingston away because, it, it, you know, it's... We don't want it to develop into that. But it's, 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 it's not our job. It's the player's job, to be fair. You yeah. go and win and then that's... We, yeah. we don't have to worry about it. But there has to be an acknowledgement and a, and a respect... Oh, of, absolutely. ...of what they did then. But also, if you, I know we beat them 5-1, but for large parts of that game until Hattati came on, we were pretty pish. So mm-hmm. they've got... They'll have, a, they'll have a game plan in mind. They're well-drilled. Yes, they are well-drilled, and it's our, it's our job to kind of counter that. They're, they're fifth in the league... They're th- the same point. They've got the same points as Hibs. You know, like the, I, I don't think anyone's. And I think the defeat means that no one's going to underestimate them. So I, f- I think the way you approach it and you approach when um, obviously the, the way Robinson sets up is that if you go there and you have got a little bit of a hangover from it, they would sense that because they will be fit. They'll be physically ready. Yeah. If we you show your quality, you would be really, really confident of winning the game. But it's. The, I think if you were to go there and just not start well and not get into gear, if you like, I think they would then get a huge lift from that. Mm-hmm. And it is a tight park, you know, throw-ins are going to be a big threat, things like that. So you do need to be kind of conscious of it. But as you say, if you go and just treat it like another game that you absolutely need three points in, which Ange does seem to have, I mean, our form is exceptional. We have kind of, not to go back to Rangers, but... They had a great start under their new manager where they won, whatever it was, 10 games or something in a row in the league. They gained no ground and that's so demoralising. You just need to keep doing that, keep ticking the games away and Sunday's another one that I'll be glad to kind of see the back of and the yeah. kind of fixture list. See, yeah. on, on the, um, you mentioned the back five. don't think any of us would change that. Um, midfield three, Chris? Would you go the same? Because they're, they're kind of, Ticking on, they're, they're doing well. You're going to play McGregor because you always play McGregor. Uh, You're going to play Hitati because it's Hitati. Uh, out with that, uh, I wouldn't have a problem. I mean, Moyes in great form. You know, he had a, a, a huge hand in the win at the weekend with the with the, the balls through for, for both goals. Um, but I think the most important thing in there in terms of, you know, legs and in terms of getting the ball moved quickly, you want Hitati and you want McGregor in there, and you want them on form, I think that they would be, them two on form with A and other, I think would be the difference. I, I think when you look at the, the, the team the last time, you had McGregor, but when you've got Moy and Turnbull in that midfield together, you can see why we were sluggish in terms of, of getting the ball forward, coupled with that kind of makeshift back four. So I think if we get the two of them in there, I'm more than happy, as you said, Front three, if you put Haxabanovic in for one of them or whatever, I would have no problem with it. Same back five, McGregor and Hitati, and just go for it. See, in regards to, you mentioned the small pitch, Alan. Um, mm. Would it suit Haxabanovic a little bit more? Just he's got more, he doesn't necessarily rely on pace, and that's taken nothing away from Maida at all. But Maida seems to be, you know, he thrives when he's get you know ground to run into, whereas Haxabanovic kind of stops, mm-hmm. stops the ball, kind of, you know, faces players up. Is this maybe a game where you have Haxabanovic and Jota, two technically gifted players who are going to take people on? Is that maybe a ploy we might use? Yeah, I, th- I think Haxabanovic probably does look like he's, he would maybe enjoy playing in closer quarters. He likes to 
Yeah, I think he quite likes facing a defender up. You've seen the way that he faced Goldson up. Um, obviously, he was unlucky. His shot was saved, but I think he quite likes that. He, he sees that as a kind of. It looks like a very traditional, yeah. traditional winger. His game time's been really, really limited. I mean, you think as as recent as two or three weeks ago, we were looking at you know he was looking at five minutes at the tail end of games at home, which did lead you to start thinking Question. when will he get proper <laughs> game time because. That's not being disrespectful, but to play like him with experience and the level of ability he's got, to only get five minutes at the end of home games isn't anywhere near enough. So it'll be interesting if he now starts to, I mean, if you look at it as a kind of roster style and you think, right, who's your next best winger? He, he is behind the pecking order in terms of who Ange plays yeah. behind the badder. So it'll be interesting to see if he can step up that. And I wonder why that hasn't been the case, because I, I think he's a more talented player. I wonder if maybe his work rate or his fitness are an issue because that is the only reason I can see that he wouldn't be your first go-to at the very least. Maid and Jot have been exceptional. I can see why you're not able to break that up. But <coughs> when he's, you know, when it's been a, a case of changing the winger, he's gone to a badder first and I don't think he's particularly impressed recently. No. We don't need to dig into the whole <coughs> Leal Abada debate, but... He's not really been great in those cameos recently. So it'll be interesting to see if Haxibanovic gets that nod. I, I think the League Cup final, it's a pity he didn't get that big moment, but he looked like... I mean, we all think he's a good player. It's just you need to see him more. So uh, I'll be interested to see if he gets a start. I think you'll probably stick with my Dinjo, to be honest. <laughs> I was really disappointed that he never took one of those two chances because he should have scored both, if I'm being perfectly honest. And it's that big moment that you talked about there because... As much as we've acknowledged that there's a lot of talent there and there's a guy who you'd like to see more, he's never been a guy who you were calling out to say, do you know what, I would take Maeda out and put Haxibanovic yeah. in or similarly with Jota. See if he'd put one of those away. Maybe even the second one where he put it past the post. That that was the one, I think, for yeah. me. Aye. You would have got the... You would have been in a situation where that would have made... I mean, I know the game was finished pretty shortly afterwards, but you know it would have put the, the icing on the cake and it would have elevated them there. People would have been saying, well, what about Haxavanovic instead of, of Abada and maybe yeah. talking about that. Uh-huh. He missed out on that. That was an opportunity he could have grabbed. So he's not a guy who I'm saying demanding that he's in the first team, but I would like to see more of him. And this might be a, a good opportunity for him because you can see, I mean, you've seen some of the trickery that he did um, when he came on. Um, so, yeah, he missed that to grab that spotlight moment. But, you know, if, if, if he came on and started, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, tomorrow on <coughs> excuse me. Uh, tomorrow on the weekend update, we've got opposition analysis where we'll break um, down exactly how St. Man are going to play and how we can counter that. Um, and we've got the reaction to the St. Man game on Sunday, as well as a, a really interesting feature on Celtic supporters clubs on Saturday. Um, let's finish up with your favourite boat. I know you both love this. I know you both love it. It's the. Um, the lineup quiz. Hey, Yay. I love it, Alan. Brilliant. It's Sunday's team. Um, the Stokes. Eight, the eighth of. Shall give him that actually. That's his first guess. Is he in the team? <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> no, no. Eighth of March, two thousand and three. Uh, Stokes. That's, that's my <laughs> second guess. <laughs> um, Celtic uh, defeated Rangers one 0 with a. Uh, uh, Big Bad John scoring the winner. Oh, Harson. I've got my guess. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it again. I've, I've absolutely fucked it, haven't I? Um, so, Harson's not <laughs> one of the people. Uh, right, okay. Uh, 8th of March 2003, 1 0. Harson is part of it, but he's no go. 
Chris. Alan Thompson. Alan Thompson, terrific. Alan. Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon, terrific. Chris Sutton. Chris Sutton, terrific. Boba Baldi. Terrific. Stylian Petrov. Petrov. Terrific. He's writing the team out. I'm, I'm just going to read. Trying to write. Oh, can you see that? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with my eyes. <laughs> um, Henrik Larsson. Uh, absolutely not. I think that's maybe when he was out with his jaw. Mm. Um, maybe he broke his jaw. So no Larson. Larson was... Playing against... What was the guy's name for Livy? Oh. Bahoki, was it? Genuinely, I think that was his name. The guy who elbowed him? No, did Henrik headered him oh, in the back of the head, mate. Yeah, that's right, aye. Uh, right, Alan's got one life off. Chris. Oh, Christ. Agat. Agat. Terrific. Mike Namara. Terrific. He came on as a sub, so that counts. Yep. Douglas. Douglas. Terrific. This is great. This is the best one we've ever done. There's only <laughs> That's because from about 2009 yeah. to 2016, yeah, it just merges into one for me. Also, Martin Neal played the same team. Yeah. Every week, yeah. There's <laughs> one, <laughs> two, three. Uh, Johan Mialbe. Terrific. Oh, very good. Right of a full house. So there's one, there's two starters left uh, and there's a couple of subs. Prick. <laughs> uh, um... There's a person I can't believe you've not mentioned either of you've mentioned them, but Chris. doing that for to hurry up, uh, uh, John Hartson. <laughs> the John Hartson that is not available because I did mention him because I'm a tit on the bench. Ulrich Lawson, Ulrich Lawson. Eh, you got both. You've got life off now as well, oh. so. I, there's a couple of names I'm really surprised that you've not neither well, of you mentioned I was writing the names down of who we'd said until Samani checked me because he was cheating from me so. cheating bastard I am um, who have we not said try to think if we went back three or back four with us because that kind of dictates the 8th of March 2003 on the road to Seville Paul Lambert Terrific. There's one more starter that if you think you should get, Chris. <laughs> it's weird though. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but there's also, uh, there's, there's, yeah, three, four players who came on, four players on the bench, three of them weren't used, but one of them came on and there's a starter. So. Sean Maloney. Boom. Terrific. So he was on the bench, he didn't come on, but he's, he's a bench boy, so that's fine. There's one you should. I mean, there's one you just going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Look how he's genuinely getting. I upset. think you should take a life off him for snap. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. But uh, um, this is a lot harder than people think. By the way, see if you're sitting. Uh, I've got, got most of the teams. Yeah, done yeah you've done right. very well. But if you're sitting there thinking, ah, I could get that, it's like it's the, the pressure is is on. Um, but I will have to push you both for time because we need to end. <laughs> You've done brilliantly, by the way. Can I just say, both of you have done really well. Thank you. Um, ah, Chris gets it. One starter. Uh, 
Oh, do you know what we're going to we'll call it a draw? I'll take that. Okay, great stuff. Uh, the starter, Very convivial. You, the starter you didn't get was Yusuf Haran. Uh, do you know what, it was that left back situation I was worrying, wondering in my head did McNamara maybe play left back was it a 3-5-2 uh, I think it was a 3-5-2 because it was mm. Mialbi, Baldy and Valharan all played um, the, 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 the other substitute that came off the bench was Momo Sella um, the two subs that weren't used <laughs> one of them was uh, Jamie, Smith. Jamie Smith I was, <laughs> I was in <laughs> he's always head. the go-to in the no, 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 no. Um, Javier Sanchez Broto oh <laughs> Oh, aye, aye. So we brought him in. And the other so. one, in 2003, Stephen Craney. Aye, aye, aye. Craney. Great stuff. Uh, listen, this has been an absolute joy. Uh, we've uh, kind of broke down the Rangers game. We're looking ahead to the Summer game. As we say, um, at the Cynic.co podcast every day, we've got um, previews looking ahead to the game, got reactions uh, for every game. But this has been a joy. Alan Edgar, pleasure as always, sir. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Joyous. Uh, Chris Omani, pleasure. Terrific. Great stuff uh, from Chris Armani, from Alan Edgar, from myself, Chris Gallagher. This has been The Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>